What's up, guys? So we are back again with the podcast. And today, again, we are without Gary. So, you know, we all mourn his loss. He's gone. He's not on the podcast anymore. We're getting rid of him. Uh, we're getting much better guests on instead. And so that brings us to the, the topic of today's podcast and the guest on today's podcast, um, which you've probably seen from the title. And um, we are going to discuss something which surprisingly has a lot of controversy around it, which you know, potentially you wouldn't think it is a controversial thing. Um, and rather than myself and Gary just talking absolute waffle uh, about the concept, we decided to get someone on the podcast that you know actually knows what they're talking about. So that comes in the form of Shannon. So Shannon, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself, telling people who you are, what you do, and you know your interest in all this stuff. Yeah, sure. So I guess I'm Gary 2.0 for the day. Um, but as you said, my name is Shannon. I am a nutrition coach. Um, what else? I have been living out of a suitcase for like two and a half years now. So I think that qualifies me as a nomad. <laughs> and I've also recently been collaborating with Dr. Gabrielle Fondaro around some of the topics that we're going to be touching on today, actually. And we're kind of coming up with a framework for coaching that we've coined comprehensive coaching in order to bridge the gap of some divides that we see in the industry right now. So one of those divides being the kind of gap between health and fitness, you know, that you don't have to choose between both. We can achieve a change in a healthy way. And what we're kind of working towards is our concept of flourishing health, which is a bit more well-rounded than just simply considering physical health. Like, yes, it's important, but we also want to consider someone's psychological well-being, emotional health and things like that. And yeah, as you mentioned, there's a lot of kind of mixed opinions on the anti-diet versus the pro-diet groups and there's a kernel of truth to both sides so we're just kind of in the the messy middle ground trying to be like look guys or why are we arguing like this doesn't make sense so we're all here for the same purpose which is just to make people healthier at the end of the day yeah so regular listeners to podcast regular listeners to the podcast if i could speak and um, we'll know that like obviously this message really does al align with what we see you know, the whole health and fitness industry should be in terms of, you know, it doesn't have to be like health and fitness or sorry, health or fitness. It like you, you can take a little bit from every area and be like, that's what I need to focus on for me as an individual, because there is no one size fits all. This is the approach you need to take. Right. And moving the conversation towards what we actually want to discuss. I'll actually just give an analogy to start this. So when I always think of these dichotomies you hear in, in like any around any topic right generally you know the truth is probably somewhere in the middle you know and that's that's all fine to say right but people oftentimes hear that and then they always just stay in the middle right i'm going to give actually two analogies right so people end up like sitting on the fence for so long that they have splinters in their ass right so <laughs> like that that's what they do they they, they never you know, actually dive deep into one side or the other. They never actually, you know, uh, read more into it. They just kind of go, oh yeah, well, I'm basically like going to stay in the center of these two opinions, right? People hate people who stay in the center, right? And also, second though, and I've said it before on the podcast, but like th this is more of a, a political thing, but um, the, the concept is the same, right? Like sometimes there are decisions where 
you have to go like left or right, you know, or you have to choose one side or the other. Like I always use the analogy of like, if I say that the decision we're going to, or the choice we're making is around, okay, I've just picked up a turd, you have to eat this, right? And one side is saying, you have to eat this. And the other side is saying, I'm never going to eat this, right? That's, that's a no. And the people that stay in the middle are like, oh, I ate half of this, so it's all good, right? So oftentimes, like, it's still a bad position to be in the middle, right? However, you actually put out information that while it's in the middle, it's still good information because you're actually reading into both sides of the argument and taking the best points from both sides rather than just going like, oh, I'm not actually going to make a choice or in the analogy I just used, I'm going to eat half the turd rather than, you know, actually being like, oh, this is a good point that these guys made on this side. Oh, and this is also a good point that these guys made on this side. So where, how are we marrying these two things? And maybe you're right about this, but wrong about this. And you're right about this and wrong about this. So I think you guys navigate it quite well, rather than what you see a lot of the time, which is just like, I'm sitting on the fence or, you know, I'm just going to stay in the center. I'm not actually going to, you know, put forth my ideas around this. Or again, like read the, the opposition sides arguments, you know? And so with that out of the mind, with that out of the way, uh, what is the concept of haze? And then why is there so much controversy around it, right? Because like the, the concept itself, for me, you know, like I've, I've read a lot of the literature, I've you know, read people's opinions on it. And I'm like, this, this doesn't seem like a controversial opinion or a thought process even. I wouldn't even say it's an opinion, like it's just a thought process, right? Um, but I've also read like the, the, the hyperbolic, like uh, straw man arguments around it. And I can be like, okay, so I, I understand that. Like I was saying to you before the podcast, like I would definitely lean further right in, in like my political ideologies and like my, the way I think. So, you know, certain times I get this like visceral reaction to when I, you know, hear certain ideologies or thought processes. And I'm like, okay, uh, like maybe I need to read further into that. But I think people just don't read further into it. And they, they effectively just straw man someone else's argument based on, you know, some random, I don't know, Instagram influencer who, you know, doesn't really understand the, the concepts that they're talking about, or maybe they're just beginning their understanding of the, the, the concept. So what is his, why is there controversy around it? And how should, like, I know a lot of coaches and stuff listen to this, like, why should they actually start reading a bit more about this so that they can actually help more people? And obviously, you know, if you're just a, the lay person listening to this, like these concepts are actually really beneficial in terms of actually getting results longer term and, you know, understanding how to actually approach nutrition, health, lifestyle, all that kind of stuff. So that was me rambling on. It's your turn. <laughs> health at every size. That's what HAYS stands for. Um, it's a paradigm that is kind of born out of the... The, it, it's to do with weight stigma at the end of the day. That's, it's kind of like a social justice movement. And it promotes this five tenets of health at every size that I'm pretty sure if most people were aware of them, most people would tend to agree. And that's the, the concept of weight inclusivity, um, health enhancement, respectful care, eating for well-being and life enhancing movement. And I'm like, what part of that 
sounds problematic because to me I'm like this is a good idea and um, what happens I think it is that a visceral reaction that you mentioned is that someone will come across an individual who you know, on social media or whatever who is taking an extreme stance and associating themselves with the movement but they're not actually haze aligned like Hayes, health at every size, does not claim that you can be healthy at any size. It's about having the opportunity to engage in health-seeking behaviours, no matter where you're starting from. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important because I've worked with a number of clients who feel like they've tried to, to make a change multiple times and haven't had much success. And when you've got what seems like a long way to go, that's very overwhelming. Whereas if you can adopt the kind of idea that, you know what, no matter where I'm starting from, I can go to the gym. I don't have to be fit before I go to the gym. I can start where I am and start making these healthier changes. And it's also a weight neutral approach, but that doesn't mean that it's anti-weight loss, just that the focus isn't on weight loss. Depending on your starting point, you know, if you start increasing your micronutrient intake you start engaging in that life enhancing movement and you find the joy in doing those behaviors weight loss may occur as a side effect it just kind of depends on what your habitual routine was prior to doing those um, behaviors so the the movement itself isn't anti-weight loss it isn't promoting I think it also gets associated with like body positivity in the sense that just love yourself where you are and accept yourself and don't do anything. It's like, no, no, no. Like Hayes is actually promoting changing your behaviors, but just doing so in a healthy way. <clears throat> and if you look at the literature, weight neutral approach approaches are just as efficacious as weight centered approaches because like kind of neither of them are super effective long-term when you look at the stats but that's to say that when we focus on weight, there are sometimes issues involved in that. For example, if someone's expectations aren't aligned with what we would realistically expect them to achieve in terms of losing a certain amount of weight per week, they can feel like they're a failure because they haven't met their own expectations, even though they've you know, made some significant changes to their diet, they're exercising more than what they used to, but it's very hard to focus on those things if you know, a goal weight is your primary focus. So from shifting the focus from fat loss and weight to these actual behaviors that you're engaging in, it's a more process-oriented approach. And it's, it has a better outcome in terms of like psychological effects as well, because there's not as much pressure and you're focusing on health. And yeah, at the end of the day, I really don't think there's much that's problematic about that when you understand what haze truly is. I just think it gets associated with the extreme views where, you know, you think that you could, that we're discounting the, the health effects of potentially being um well, again, not a certain size. So Hayes makes some great points that BMI isn't a great indicator of health. You know, metabolically healthy obesity does exist. Um, about 35% of people who are, have a BMI of overweight or obese are metabolically healthy, although they are at risk of developing um, a negative like health consequences in the future. So they don't discount that. Um, but it's, it is a, a good point to bear in mind that appearance, weight, 
and health, they're not as clear cut as you may think. So I think that's something that we could consider as well in when it comes to our typical approach in the fitness industry, which is very body oriented. Yeah, like I just don't see why there is such a, a, an issue with it. Like I, I, I do see why there is an issue with it because again, people align it with like that very like SJW, like social, social justice warrior, like, and we're just all body positivity and it's, it's very pushed to one side. But when you actually read the, what they're actually promoting, it's like this, this is very, it's, you're very hard to argue against it, right? Now you might have like a certain thing, like we'll get into it, like intuitive eating, like we'll, we'll talk about that in terms of, you know, the, the name is a bad name, but you know, you might have like some uh, small, you know, issues with certain things, but overall as a concept, it's like, this gives you a framework to actually help more people, right? Because like, I always think mm -hmm. of like, like, first of all, guys are really bad for it in terms of, you know, going to a doctor when there's an issue, they'll just be like, oh, I'll just, I'll just wait it out. I just won't go. Like, I, I just won't, whatever. You know? But that's also the case with people that are, um, you know, obese or potentially moving towards that obese, you know, area because they feel like if I go to a doctor, I'm just going to be told lose weight. Right. And that's like a terrible prescription, but that's also what people in the health and fitness industry do. They're like, Oh yeah, look, I know you want to be you know, healthier, so you need to lose weight, right? And that's not like, that might, that might be what they actually need, right? Like there are cases where it's like, okay, well, like you, you genuinely just need to lose weight. That's the thing that is the, the, the factor that's going to be between health and unhealth, right? But that's still not a prescription, right? That's still not like, how, how do I lose weight? Like that's not, like saying lose weight is not telling me what to engage in, what to do, like, do, uh, obviously we, we know like oh exercise more and eat less like that's that's your your prescription but that's not actually giving me habits that i can engage in that's not actually giving me a framework to think about like okay even if i don't see these massive changes on the scale every single week or day or whatever and um, i'm still you know moving towards a healthier lifestyle because i'm engaging in these other habits you know such as you know eating lean protein or like protein in general at each of my meals eating you know some vegetables fruit you know being like we always try to say like calorie appropriate with the diet you know and again that can be you want to gain weight lose weight whatever but also like i always think it's really weird how people use the the haze like framework and they only think of people that are on like the higher end of the the bmi scale right but it also applies to people that are on the lower end or in the middle or wherever it's like you, at any stage of like health, size, whatever, you can still engage in healthy habits. And this is why I think like, again, like when people see that, like it's, it's weight neutral or, you know, it's uh, body inclusive, uh, like it's inclusive of like anyone you're trying to engage in like healthy practices. They read that and they just automatically think like, oh, this is just for fat people that don't want to lose weight. And, you know, they, they, they want to, you know, pretend like they're, they're, it's not an issue. Right. And like, again, I can understand that the visceral reaction, you can be thinking like, oh, that's, that's, that's who, you know, they're, they're trying to promote this, right? And that's not the case. Like, it, it, these, these, this framework or this approach, this, this thinking process, like, it applies to anyone across the, the spectrum of, like, body sizes or, you know, whatever. And I just don't understand why people have such an issue with, you know, just trying to engage in healthy practices because like ultimately that's all you want to engage in i didn't actually finish that thought there but if you are a, a woman and you go to a doctor and they'll they tell you like you're, you're like a woman and you you feel like you're a bit overweight and you're like oh i i, I want to engage in healthier practices and and the doctor is just like all right you need to lose weight like that's going to stop you going to the doctor in future you know and like this is something that people like first of all that are 
you know, overweight experience all the time. But also this does seem to be very prevalent in terms of how women uh, uh, like get treated with the, the healthcare system or again, like the, the, the health and fitness system. It's like, oh, like you obviously want to lose weight and, you know, when you go to the doctor or whatever. Uh, and it's like, this is not like that. That shouldn't be an approach. You know, that, well, first of all, it isn't an approach. It's just, you know, you need to lose weight. Like that's not telling me how to do anything. So I don't know, again, like I understand why there is a bit of controversy in terms of like when you get, you, you first are introduced to the concept, you can be like, Whoa, like that's these people, like they're, they're they, they seem to be overweight and they're just pr promoting like, Oh, I'm, I'm not going to try to lose my weight, like lose the weight. It's weight neutral and all that. And you're kind of like, Oh, like I've always thought that, you know, you have to lose weight to be healthier, you know, but again, that's, that's not what Hayes itself is actually, you know, promoting. And I think like, if you actually just read the words like of, of Hayes, like health at every size, like that's actually indicative of the, the movement rather than what people actually read, which is healthy at every size, right? Which, you know, it's a, it's only one letter difference, but it actually does make a huge difference in terms of how you actually interpret the, the, the processes. Because again, anyone can engage in healthy behaviors, you know, like health promoting behaviors. Like not everyone can be healthy, you know, like if you are whatever BMI of 30 and you're unhealthy, right? Like even if you do start engaging in these healthy behaviors, like you can still be unhealthy at that size, right? So yes, you are definitely trying to help yourself by, you know, engaging in health practices, but it doesn't, just because you engage in health practices doesn't mean that you are healthy, you know? So I think if people actually just read what the letters mean and actually, you know, read some of the literature, like you'd be like, oh, this is actually, you know, this is pretty good. Yeah. Um, but I think the reaction that we've had to the movement, like by the industry, just says a lot about the fitness industry itself, like how far removed we are and how kind of there's a lot of barriers to kind of engaging in these lifestyle changes and most people when they think of the fitness industry they're like oh fitness models shredded like bodybuilders that's not what health and fitness is supposed to be about and i think Hayes, as you mentioned it's not actually just for people with overweight or obesity but i think it speaks to those people well because it kind of understands more about what those people may face and especially in terms of weight stigma that's something that a lot of people a lot of us in the fitness industry a lot of coaches have never experienced like we don't know what it's like to feel kind of judged for being a certain weight or body composition and as you mentioned like the advice that people get when it comes to changing isn't helpful because it's not a behavior that they can engage in like if you, if you just tell someone just to lose weight well yeah how that, that doesn't understand the problem, like why they got to where they are in the first place and whether they're ready to change certain things. And if we can focus on certain behaviors that someone may feel ready to change and that they can do at any moment, like you don't have to be fit before you can engage in like uh, mindful movement. You don't have to be um, really healthy before you can start thinking about making changes to your nutrition and that's something that a lot of people feel like like the number of people I worked with someone once who felt he clearly experienced weight stigma in his day-to-day -day life and he would go to the gym at 1 a.m every day to make sure that no one else was there watching him work out 
that's like going to the gym at 1am and he would also have panic attacks going to the supermarket because he didn't know what to buy because he was so overwhelmed like can you just imagine feeling like that and there's us saying track your macros lose weight go to the gym like lift heavy like that's so just impossible for some people to put into place and we need to meet people where they're at and understand actually a little bit more about where people are coming from I think just yeah the the fact that it's been so controversial I think says a lot about the industry itself and our attitudes to dealing with perspectives that are different to our own and just simply like hearing oh you don't actually have to focus on calories you can just focus on health why is that controversial that there may not be a perspective that you've considered before but that should just make you stop and think and be like oh okay this is a new approach is there any validity to this let me understand it a little bit more before I form an opinion on it for for a start and then when you do look a little bit deeper as you say it's like oh actually this seems to be pretty helpful there's not a lot in here that I would tend to disagree with and it becomes you know the, the more you understand it probably is less controversial and actually can be very helpful as you mentioned, even for people who, uh, again, they make the point that appearance, weight and health, they're all different things. And we can't judge someone's health or someone's um, kind of responsibility that they've taken for their health through simply how they look. There are people who look healthy, who would be a normal quote unquote um, BMI, they may be in, totally unhealthy, living off takeaway, just not eating that much. If you can't see, you know, they may not be exercising, but they just look like a normal weight. If you can't tell what someone's doing just by simply looking at them. And in a similar vein, you can't judge someone for being a certain body weight when you know nothing about them. And especially when we know um, from a you know social economical standpoint that it has little to do with personal responsibility. And I really hate that rhetoric because it's just shines like misunderstanding and yeah so I think there's a lot to be learned from different perspectives at the end of the day and there's a lot that we can change about our approach such as by emphasizing health and even if you are working with someone who wants to focus on a fat loss goal doesn't mean that you can't emphasize the health benefits either and that's probably a more sustainable approach long term yeah like I always think again with, with this this whole framework like I definitely know people that do, we'll say like, we'll call it IIFYM. Like they're just like, if it fits your macros and they eat a terrible diet, they don't engage in like, we'll say healthy lifestyle practices in terms of like their stress management is not <laughs> right. And their sleep is all over the place. Like there's no consistent regular schedule with that kind of stuff. Um, and ultimately like, you know, they, they, they've eaten three vegetables in the last month, right? But they're like, oh, well, I hit my macros every single day. So I got this body composition change, right? Like you wouldn't call that individual healthy. Like, yes, they might actually be metabolically healthy, right? In terms of they're like, oh, well, like your blood glucose control is, you know, phenomenal. It's great, you know? But if you actually like look under the hood, you're like, oh, you've actually these, you know, micronutrient deficiencies, you know, you're overly stressed, you know, like the, uh, any number of health issues can be cropping up and you just look at them. You're like, but, but I have a six pack, you know? It's like, that's not, uh, that's like you, like you said, you can't see health. Like, yes, obviously you can see it to some extent. Like if you see someone that's like looks sick or whatever, it's like, oh, obviously like you can see to some extent, you know, like we did evolve to be able to see that kind of stuff. But it's not like, you know, oh, this person has 12% body fat and this person has 20% body fat. That's, you know, an indication of health. It's not like ill health 
increases your body fatness you know like that that's not the case in, a, in actuality like it's actually usually the opposite in terms of like if you get sick like you you tend to lose body fat you know you tend to lose weight overall and so like it is it, it's, it's really hard initially like, again you get this visceral reaction where you just think of like again i'm just using these like, terms but like fat people that are just oh i just want to overeat and i don't care like i just want to pretend that i'm healthy you know and that's not that's, that's not the 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 message that actual haze aligned people are are putting out you know so i do think it requires uh, a bit more you know reading or at least you know listening to podcasts like this or you know videos like you put out great information so like obviously i'm going to give you details in the the box below the description box below and like people should follow you and you know do all that kind of stuff but you know just following people that actually put out good messages not just some influencer who's just like ah you know what i'm actually just tired of you know trying to look after my nutrition so i'm just going to use this veil of like body positivity and say that i'm i'm haze aligned and do nothing for my health i'm out on the piss fucking 12 days a week like you know <laughs> it's like like this this is not actually haze aligned and that's not to say that like obviously you can't you know enjoy your life as well as you know engaging in healthful you know, practices but i'm just saying it's like you're the, a lot of the time you see on social media these are not actually haze aligned ideas so to to really like help people understand the the haze concept and i think this is beneficial for both people that are like let's say training themselves coaching themselves and then also coaches how would someone who is focusing more on like haze principles approach someone that you know has come to them for coaching or whatever like like obviously again like there's there's helpful practices that you know you probably want to engage in across the board whether you're you know fit healthy you know you want to lose weight you want to do whatever and, and like obviously if you're a regular listener to podcast you've you've heard them all before <laughs> like they're they're pretty like core tenants and whatever but how would someone who is you know like we'll say haze aligned that's that's how you coach people how how do you start the process with someone and then how do you continue that process in terms of like do we take them from a point like obviously again it's going to be different for every single individual i'm not expecting you to be like this is the exact approach we take with every single individual like it's going to be different right but how do you how do you approach coaching someone and actually being haze aligned like how, how, what, what does that process look like yeah well i think we can all incorporate a lot of those haze principles into the way that we coach people just simply by focusing on um the process and emphasizing health and the reason that I make the point to keep saying like emphasizing health is that a lot of our clients will come to us with the goal of changing their body composition which is totally fine it's really understandable why people feel like changing their appearance will make them feel better about themselves like you can understand that given the, the media environment and all the rest of it so what we can do is understand where someone's coming from, but really emphasize the improvements that they're making to their health or the, the strength that they're building, things like that, in order to kind of shift the focus, not to discount their goals, but just to shift it to a, a broader perspective on health. And the thing is, if you're making a change because, yeah, you want to look better, but also it's going to improve your health, but also you might feel more confident, but also you might sleep better, you might have better focus at work, you know, all of these, this is just more reasons to make a change. 
And it's more sustainable long term because the research does indicate that our motivations for making a change are very important. So if we're doing it for reasons such as like external validation or um, purely to change how you look, then that's likely to increase your risk for developing pathological eating behaviors for a start, which is something that we want to avoid and something we want to protect our clients against. Um, but also it doesn't lead to long-term results. And if we can focus on health outcomes, they're going to be more sustainable. So what we can do when, for example, um, measuring a client's progress is setting goals that are aligned to someone's values, because those values may be something like, I value um, self-care, self-respect, um, doing the things that I promised myself that I would do. And that doesn't, you don't have to wait for, a goal to have happened, like a weight loss um, amount, you know, oh, I've lost five kilos. Now I can be successful and feel good about my progress. Like if you're acting in alignment with your values, that could be simply, you know, having one nutrient dense meal, going for a walk. All of these things are aligned with that value of self-care and you can celebrate your wins and your successes every time you engage in those behaviors. And then we can also, when someone feels like maybe they've, lapsed on a behavior they've gone back slipped back into old habits we can still point to all of the other actions that they did that were aligned with their values so it's a very good way to help manage expectations as well along with the dieting process and i think just focusing on celebrating wins that are outside of simply just oh you lost x amount of kilos this week well done do it again next week like i, I think um if we can broaden our clients own understanding of what success really is then we're going to be setting them up for long-term success but also a better chance at actually maintaining that weight loss and one thing that i'll add is that when it comes to weight loss people with overweight and obesity will see dramatic changes like significant changes to their health with small amounts of weight loss as well so like five to ten percent of body weight loss leads to significant improvements in metabolic markers of health and someone may not see that and they may not feel successful if they've only lost a small amount of weight so if we can really focus on the improvements that they're making to their health then that's really what the important thing is at the end of the day and they're going to feel more successful as a result um, and I just think yeah if we can shift to that way of thinking we don't have to discount aesthetic goals but we're just actually giving the client more yeah like it's it's one of those things where, like, again, if you coach a lot of people, you, you start doing this automatically, you know, obviously, like, if you're coaching, like, weight class athletes, or potentially even, like, bodybuilders who are, like, you know, they're trying to get into like, the very far reaches, like, it's like, you're probably going to have to engage in unhealthy practices to get to 3% body fat, you know, so, like, if you discount those, if you're coaching the average person, or, you know, the normal person, and um, you automatically start coaching this way you know because like fat loss it's not like it's predictable like obviously it is predictable to some extent but it's not like oh you added exactly this calorie deficit and we can control all of the variables so i know if you just do all of these things you're going to lose 0.25 kilos this week you know like it's not like I, you can predict that like yes you can have a best guess and be like if we engage in these habits you know we should see this outcome but then you start realizing it's like okay, the outcome is a little bit less important. Like obviously that's the, the goal for this individual. Um, and obviously it is important, you know, there's, there's a reason they're coming to you for it. And again, like you said, like you can dig deeper into that, you know, because people do have, let's say, 
uh, misconceptions in terms of they're like, oh, I'll only be validated if I weigh 60 kilos on the scale or whatever it is, you know? And like, obviously you need to dig deeper into that. But you start realizing it's the habits that are important, right? It's what you actually engage in day to day, week to week, that actually lead to the outcomes that you want, right? But also, and I think this is really important when you are you actually achieve your goal, right? So say you do lose all the weight that you wanted. You're like, oh, I wanted to be 60 kilos. I think I'll be, you know, magnificent then, right? Oh, that's that's exactly what people will love me then, right? And um, and you get to that. Like if you haven't actually been focusing on the habits that you know led to that point, first of all, you may not actually understand how you got to that point, you know? So once you stop working with a coach or once you stop following a, a diet plan you found online or whatever it is, you don't actually understand the process that got you there. So it's far harder to actually maintain that. And, you know, it, it's all fair and well to be like, oh yeah, I want to reach 60 kilos once in my life. You know, that's, that's not what most people want to do. They want to get the results and then sustain those results or, you know, be within striking distance of those results. Like they're like, oh, 62, it won't be that big of a deal if I'm 62 kilos, you know? And um, but if you haven't actually been focusing on the, the the processes and like the habits, like you you cannot know how to maintain that. You can not know what actually you need to do to be in a good position at that 60 kilos. But also if you haven't been focusing on like say healthful habits along the way, like you can reach 60 kilos, but not actually be in a healthy position as we've touched on. So like, again, like, Outcome goals are obviously important and they do help people, you know, stay aligned with, you know, training, nutrition and whatever else, even if they are arbitrary goals, like setting them for ourselves, like it can be beneficial for actually keeping you on track with things. For example, like you might be in the gym and you might be like, oh, I want to squat 140 kilos, you know, and that's keeping you aligned with, you know, going to the gym. You're like, oh, that's why I'm doing these training sessions. That's, you know, why I'm pushing myself here. Like that's the goal. And obviously that's, that's an outcome goal. But you have to actually break that down into the habits that allow you to get to that outcome, you know? So even though the outcome is the goal, right? It is actually what's, you know, that's that's what's my, my guiding star or whatever you want to call it. Like that's what's pushing me forward. You still have to engage in the habits that lead you to that. Like, again, you can't just say, I want to squat 140 kilos and then never squat, you know? It's like, you still have to actually engage in the habits that lead to that outcome, you know? And I think even just using that kind of Hayes framework and just kind of taking that weight neutral approach and just being like, right, there's healthy habits that we can engage in, right? Let's actually just focus on those healthy habits. And like, I always try to like, there's obviously like, I'm writing a lot of content and you know, creating a lot of content for our coaches corner. And I, I'm thinking of like different frameworks in terms of how do you actually get a coach to coach someone we'll say correctly. And what I've been doing is just like giving like different options in terms of, you know, you can start here. This would be the ideal. This would be like, probably, you know, what you're going to have to do. And this would be like, you know, the client is like, no, we need to do this, you know? So I'm giving options. But one of the things that I always kind of come back to, I'm like, the ideal would to be able to spend some time with this client in terms of, or like, again, with yourself and just not focus on the actual outcome, right? Spend a month, two months even, right? Or even longer, it depends on the, the actual, you know, client and the, the, the person, you know, but spend some time and all you're focusing on is, okay, we just want to get training in a good position. You just want to be able to, you know, push yourself in training. We've, you know, exercise technique is all good. Like we're not actually really focusing on the weight that you're using. We're not doing any of that. It's just, we just want to have training in a good position. Performance is good. 
but we also need to engage in these you know, lifestyle habits. We want to get some you know, steps and activity throughout the day. We want to do some sort of stress management. We want to do some sort of you know, something around sleep so that we're getting sleep in a good position, right? Then the diet, it's like, we're, we just want to actually start engaging in these healthy diet practices, like eat your fruit and veg, you know, <laughs> like eat some protein at these meals. Eat, you know, again, like it's, it's hard to uh, assign calories without then focusing on like how the weight is changing. But you want to eat a calorie appropriate diet where it's like, I feel energetic, throughout the day i'm not feeling overly hungry i'm not feeling like i need to be like binge eating or you know i'm, I'm restricted in my calories or anything like that and like if you could spend a month two months of just doing that and just really hammering home like the the good habits and practices that lead to re results long term like the, the person is set up to do whatever they want to do you know like if you genuinely spend we'll say eight weeks, you're just like, right, I do my, my training programs and they're, they're four week blocks, right? So four weeks and four weeks, right? So it's eight weeks in total. And you're like, if we just spent those eight weeks and really just focused on nailing all the habits that eventually lead to good outcomes, like that person is in such a good position to get results for life, you know? And ultimately, like as coaches and as individuals who are coaching themselves, like you want to be in a position where for sure you can push hard for eight weeks, 16 weeks, 20 weeks, whatever it is, and you know, achieve a certain goal. Like you have a holiday coming up and you're like, I want to be lean for this holiday. But that's all on the backbone of having good practices and good habits in place. So the vast majority have never actually spent time just focusing on those habits for a while, right? And I think this is also where a little bit of the, the controversy comes in and in terms of looking at the, the Hayes principles. People they have, they, they have a toolbox, but the toolbox has never actually encompassed, you know, spending some time being weight neutral and just looking at like, we'll say habit-based change. Like even though habit-based change isn't just like a Hayes principle, but I think it, it's very much aligned in terms of how people approach like Hayes principles and or the framework where it's like, there's healthy, healthy habits. You know, you can engage in these healthy, objectively healthy habits regardless of your goals, regardless of, you know, your body weight, your body size, whatever. And doing that is objectively good for your health overall. And if you can nail those habits, then you can move on to, okay, now we're actually going to push a little bit for fat loss. You know, you're really in a good place with nutrition. You're really in a good place with your lifestyle. You're really in a good place with your, 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 your training and whatever else, your stress management, etc. And, now it's like, okay, yeah, you said you wanted to have a goal. We've dug a little bit deeper and you feel that if you were actually able to see some meaningful weight loss on the scale, you would be happier. Like if that's your goal and you think that that's, you know, something that you're like, that's, that's going to actually help me overall, you know, happy days. We can push for that for a few weeks, see how we get on. And we can show you that this is possible. That builds confidence with the client. They're like, okay, so now I actually understand that, you know, it's, it's all built on this framework of just these healthy habits and once I engage with them and, you know, maybe I modify my calorie expenditure a little bit, I actually do have control over my body. Because ultimately, like, if, if you are coaching someone, you're trying to build confidence in them and you're trying to give them a skill for life, you know? And I don't think just dieting someone down, you know, even with a, without a meal plan, like a meal plan is probably the, the worst in terms of this. Like, it's just like, here's a fixed set of things. But even if you're like, okay, we're going to coach you through your, your calories and macros and whatever, um, and you diet them down to a position where, you know, again, they, they get that 50 kilos, 60 kilos, 70 kilos, whatever it is. And then you're just like, right, we're done. Like that's, that's not uh, a beneficial strategy long-term. Like you haven't actually empowered 
that client and you haven't actually given them like a skill for life. Like, yeah, okay, you can say calorie tracking is a skill for life because like, again, once you know what you're doing, it, it, you can pretty much, you know, assess any kind of food. However, like they, they, they don't have the, the healthful practices down. They don't have that hab- habit or, or the habits that lead to success. And while yet they got to their 60 kilos, they're not actually in a, a position long-term to, you know, be healthy. Even if they're like, oh yeah, like I lost the <clears throat> the body fat that I thought was going to be, you know, life-changing when I lost it. You know what I mean? Mm, I think there's a few things that are like, I think increasing self-efficacy is huge, but also increasing self-awareness. Mm. So for example, when starting with someone, and as you mentioned, like ticking off all these habits that we think would be beneficial for someone to start engaging in, it's also about understanding why they are acting the way that they are currently acting to. So yes, you can identify like, oh, here's a way that we can improve all of this. I notice that you're not eating vegetables. I notice that you're not sleeping enough. Like we can identify all those changes that, um, should be made from a from a health perspective but it's also about thinking what does the client feel like they're the best place for them to start would be like oh you know the reason that I don't exercise is because I don't feel comfortable going to the gym for example or the reason that I stay up late is because I'm working two jobs to look after my kids and it's very difficult for me it's also difficult for me to cook and prepare meals because I'm always on the go um like it's about understanding why someone is acting the way that they are in the first place and then talking to them with kind of coming together to form a plan about the things that they can change first like at the moment there's nothing like from a client's perspective they may believe that at the moment there's nothing I can do about my sleep but I could for example um, rather than ordering breakfast out I reckon I could make myself a protein shake so even if I'm not ready to cook yet that's something that I can do right now because it's the the easiest place that's going to have the one of the biggest um, terms of like results in terms of like lowest hanging fruit you know biggest bang for your buck type thing so I think that would be one thing is to really understand why, where they're at and why they're doing that in the first place. Because for the most part, a lot of these behaviors, although they're not ideal or adaptive from a health perspective, they are probably serving some function. Um, as I say, if you've got the type of person who is running between jobs and has a family to look after, getting a takeaway is serving the function in that it may keep the kids happy, you know, so you've got to understand why they're doing the things that they're doing and then find other ways to help, you know, what could we substitute that for something that you're capable, you have the capacity to do, but also serves a similar function in that, you know, it keeps the kids happy or, or whatever it is, or you don't have a lot of time. That's fine. We can, you know, perhaps we can try something like this, but it's really important to let the client talk as well and to let them kind of, just just to shine a light on their behaviors and their own understanding of why they act the way they do, but also their capacity for change. Because it's, it's all well and good saying, oh, we need to change this, do this, do this. This habit would be great for you. But if they don't feel cap- capable of doing that, then it's not necessarily going to change. Um, and so with that as well, with self-efficacy, that increases over time and you can start by like small successes snowball into bigger results so if we can start with the things that someone feels comfortable changing that are hopefully going to be the lowest hanging fruit and, and get a lot of bang for their buck they can then build their confidence they'll see results in terms of oh i'm sleeping better now that i've got these habits in place you know as i say i've got more focus i just feel better day to day my clothes are fitting much nicer now like those are the types of things that are going to build that confidence 
confidence and increase someone's capacity to change. So then, like you say, further down the line, they may be like, you know what? Like, I feel like I've come a long way. I'm actually ready to learn a little bit more about my nutrition. And I would actually quite like to track my macros. Like that's something that a client may come to you with. And then you can work with that. So I think just always starting from letting the client decide themselves what they would like to do with your guidance but ultimately they're the ones that know the most about themselves and their own lives and and I think we can play a role in bringing that self-awareness up and building that self-efficacy but I think we need to shift from just simply identifying areas to change and telling people what to do to like collaborating with them to actually achieve that change yeah like it is it is harder to coach like this right and like that mm. you should obviously say that because obviously like again like people coach a certain way because first of all that's the way they've always coached and or been coached or whatever it's like here's your macros see you later and like that's that's not even a bad approach because like that does actually teach you stuff if it's just like here's your macros see you later and then we start coaching like habits like i sometimes like that depending on the how the, the where the client is at if i'm like all right i actually think like i want i'm gonna show you in the deep end here right in terms of like here's your calories and macros. I want you to try hit them. And then we start looking at, okay, so you made these wins. This was perfect. And you know, this is how we need to change here, here, and here. But like you said, like it needs to be collaborative in terms of, it's not just always me saying like, you need to change this or you need to change this or you need to change this. It's supposed to be a conversation. It's supposed to be coaching, but that is again, like harder to actually do because you actually have to talk and listen to individuals. (laughs) You know, that's, that is something that is hard, even though it's like, that's that's the actual job description. It's like, this is coaching, like it's supposed to be, you know, collaborative and it's supposed to involve, you know, communication. But again, it is it is harder to do than just saying like, all right, you didn't make your weight loss goal this week. So we're going to drop calories by a hundred, you know, it's like, that that's easy. You know, that's, that's easy to do in terms of it's like, all right, just, just tweak your calories and we're good to go. But that doesn't actually help the individual. And it's it's probably not a good thing first of all psychologically but it's also not like understanding the the physiology of the situation like especially if you've a, a female client where it's like you know, your menstrual cycle is going to affect your weight throughout the the month and if you're just like oh my only approach my only thing is like seeing the scales go down and if it's not going down like i have to change calories like if you don't understand that there is this normal fluctuation it's like your approach is always going to fuck these people up you know so mm-hmm. like there is that the next thing I just want to touch on, because we've obviously touched on it a lot, and I want to make sure that it is actually covered. And we, we, we did obviously have touched on it just a little bit. And to give a, a name to it is the intuitive eating like paradigm, which seems to go very hand in hand with like haze. And um, even though, as I said to you before the, the podcast, like, first of all, intuitive eating is a terrible name, right? Because intuition can just be wrong, like just flat out wrong right but also like bodybuilders or you know whatever um also have a term for like eating intuitively intuitive eating and those two things are not the same but again when you come to this if you come to this from a, a bodybuilding you know realm or whatever you can be left thinking like they're talking about intuitive eating and i'm talking about intuitive eating they must be the same thing and you never actually dig a little bit deeper into what intuitive eating is. And like, you've kind of touched on the, the approach to intuitive eating to a little bit there. And, um, but like bodybuilders or, you know, people in the health and fitness industry, because again, like the overwhelming, especially if you get your health and fitness information from, you know, social media, which like we've talked in the podcast before, how that is a, a terrible approach to get your, your health and fitness information. But if you get it all from social media, like 
you know, sex cells effectively. So like these people that have these great bodies and, you know, they're shredded and whatever, you know, they're, they're fitness competitors or fitness models or whatever it is like that, that's an easier sell on a visual medium in, in terms of like Instagram and stuff. So like their, their message gets, you know, hyped up or it gets louder than other messages. And again, you can be left thinking like, Oh, intuitive eating is, you know, this like bodybuilding concept of intuitive eating rather than like the, we'll say the haze concept of intuitive eating. So if you could just kind of talk to that in terms of what's like, what is intuitive eating in a, a haze aligned manner? Yeah. So intuitive eating is not the same as eating intuitively. So you'll, as you mentioned, you get a lot of people from the fitness industry talking about intuitive eating, but actually they just mean not tracking macros, which isn't the same as intuitive eating TM, because what intuitive eating is, it's actually a self-care framework designed to break the cycle of chronic dieting. So there are a lot of people who have tried a number of fad diets in the past, not had great success, kind of probably yo-yoed back and forth of weight. They've developed a lot of rigid food rules. Like you'll still find people that think that they can't eat carbohydrates, for example. Like that's actually still pretty common. I think we get stuck in our echo chambers and, and we forget that, you know, what kind of culture people are exposed to. And intuitive eating TM also isn't just about eating. As I mentioned, it's a, a like a there's ten different kind of steps to the whole process. It's the, an entire self-care framework. Um, it incorporates, say, mindful movement as well. And it's similarly to Haze. It is a weight-neutral approach. And what you may find is that an approach like that is exactly what someone needs. Like a lot of people need to actually just take the focus off of dieting for a start. And if they've been restricting themselves for from foods that they really want to eat and they've struggled to give themselves unconditional permission to eat those foods then that restriction often leads to overeating it's kind of that paradox of dieting is that you restrain yourself or you may even be engaging in dietary restraint in the cognitive sense of the word but you're not actually restricting your calories because you know it's just a misunderstanding there and that breeds pathological behaviors as well because if you're restricting yourself you've given yourself all these food rules you can't eat certain things you may limit yourself in social situations and then you may blow out at the end of the day because you feel so restricted like the one of the best ways to overcome that is to actually take the focus off of dieting for for a start and i think that's something again that we fail to consider is why someone is doing these behaviors in the first place and simply Sticking a meal plan on top of a poor relationship with food like, doesn't really help. And it's, as I mentioned, it's not just about food. It's what we fail to think about is how someone's eating behaviors often reflects their attitude towards themselves. So if we can shift the focus from dieting, fat loss, appearance to a more health oriented approach where actually just allow yourself to enjoy your food for a little bit. I think a lot of people think that if they allow themselves to eat the types of foods that they like, that they're just going to blow out and overindulge and it's just pink donuts all day long. You know, that's not actually what intuitive eating is about. The 10th principle of intuitive eating is gentle nutrition. And it's actually about giving your body the types of foods that make you feel good because everyone knows that if you've overindulged for a while maybe like towards the end of a holiday for example you actually feel a bit crap and you just kind of want vegetables you know at the end of the day um and that's something that is very hard to 
to come round to. I find that people struggle to give themselves unconditional permission to eat because they don't trust themselves to to not go overboard. The analogy I like to use is that when you go grocery shopping, you have unconditional permission to buy whatever's on offer, but you don't go in there and be like, I'll have one of that, I'll have one of that, and you don't buy out the whole grocery store. You go in and you buy what you need, and you might pick a few things that you want as well. You know, And if you were going over your budget week after week, you would probably reassess and be like, oh, okay, I think this is going to be problematic. But you always have permission to buy whatever's there. And just because you have that permission doesn't mean you're going to have everything and I think it works similarly from a food perspective but it's very difficult to give yourself that permission if you're trying to control your weight because you don't want to gain fat you're scared that you know if you ate whatever you wanted you would gain fat and um, I think we tend to use the intuitive eating terminology because it's intuitive to talk about you know not tracking macros as intuitive eating they're just completely different things and I think if we could understand that, it's problematic in the sense that it it undermines the intuitive eating approach because nobody knows what it means <laughs> and nobody understands the different principles or when or who it could be appropriate for. And the literature does suggest that intuitive eating is one of the most like psychologically sound ways of eating. So with flexible restraint and rigid restraint, there's actually quite a lot of correlation between the two constructs. They overlap by about 50%. And we're not clear what aspects of flexible control are distinct from rigid control. So we may think that we're promoting flexible and adaptive behaviors by helping our clients to track their macros because, yeah, you can fit in a little bit of what you want. Um, That's not always the case. And I think if we can look a little bit closer into the nuance of dietary restraint, the psychological side of dieting and what that can actually do to a person. And again, look to the other side as well. What's the benefits of this intuitive eating approach and how do I actually put it into practice? The closer we look, the better understanding that we get. And if we're just talking about, oh, you know, eating intuitively, listening to your body, like that's not that's not what it means, you know, and we, we we're not going to get better at helping the types of people that would benefit from that approach if we never actually look to understand it in the first place yeah like i think this is actually a huge a huge issue in terms of the disconnect between like uh, a lot of what people are exposed to but also a lot of what people actually believe like again like their their idea of intuitive eating is like oh i'm just going to maybe start listening to my hunger signals a little bit more right and you're like that's like yeah i can understand why you think that's an intuitive eating and that's what you know a lot of people refer to as intuitive eating it's like oh i'm not going to track my my calories and i'm just going to listen to my hunger signals a bit more i'm like yeah obviously that is a a part of being more body aware in terms of listening to the, the hunger signals that your body is giving you energy levels all that kind of stuff right and they're all like objectively good things to engage in you're like okay are you hungry or are you not hungry how did that meal fill you up how did that meal not fill you up great that's all great Again, maybe a bit like you said, fitting some you know naughty food into your diet, and you're like, oh yeah, like I I can actually do this and still get results. Like again, you're like, okay, that's you know that's potentially a good beneficial you know thing to help people learn. But I think the reason that people, especially if they come from like the the, the health and fitness industry, um, they they have an issue with the intuitive eating like TM, um, because what they think of intuitive eating and what intuitive eating in this context is are two different things. But also they, they, they do realize that they actually have spent potentially years 
overriding all of the signals and all of the body awareness that would actually be required for, you know, intuitive eating TM um, to be effective. Like, for example, like I personally, like I like tracking my calories. I'm very like, as I said to you before the podcast, I'm very like consistency. I, I like having things very rigid. That's just who I am. Like Gary will tell you, like I have things planned out for our business, like five years into the future, you know, like I'm very much like make a plan, stick to a plan. Like even when Gary's late for a podcast or something, I'm like, that it ruins my plan. <laughs> but like, I, I, I like that. And I, like, I like tracking my calories. I, I like engaging in those habits. Right. But I know a lot of people do that and then try to go to a more intuitive approach but they're not actually able to because they're just so much, there's so much in the thought process that I just hit the calories that are, you know, dictated by my, my app. You know, if I'm not, I'm not hungry, but you know, I need to get the calories in. Right. Like I know me personally, because I have spent so many years doing that, there was a point where I wasn't actually able to like, listen to what my body was telling me, you know, and like, it's hard because like I, I do like, well, I did until Dublin was locked down again, but that's another story. I did uh, like, I went to the gym and I went to Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. So like my hunger signals could be all over the place based on what I was actually doing that day or what I was doing the, the day before. Right. Um, and this is also very true, especially if people engage in like intermittent fasting practices, you know, where they start getting, uh, more used to like these bigger meals and you know it's like oh like I actually like you know huge meals that's all that I need to like fill me up right and um, so like there's all these practices that go on in you know the we'll say the, the the macro tracking sphere and that tends to be the the fitness sphere and um, that actually make it harder in terms of like the psychology of dieting for a, a normal person, right? Because not everyone needs to track their calories. Not everyone needs to track their macros. And I always think, I'm like, if your entire framework and your entire toolbox is just calorie tracking and macros, how are you going to teach kids to eat, right? Because that's what my, my framework is always. I'm like, all right, I need to know how to eat because like, I'm going to have kids someday, hopefully. And I want to have lots of kids. Like everyone in my family has lots of kids. So, you know, I want to have lots of kids. So how am I actually going to teach them to eat for a lifetime, you know? Like, and if all I can offer them is like, here's an app, right? If this app gets deleted or this business goes out of, you know, service or whatever, you're on your own, right? Like that's not a great uh, approach to nutrition. Or like I often go on like hikes and stuff and like I'm, I'm planning a, a hike for like two weeks and hopefully again, coronavirus willing, um, uh, for like two weeks. And if all my framework, like there's not going to be internet or anything, like if all my framework is like, oh, it's just calorie tracking, you know, like if I don't know how to eat and how to listen to my body and understand nutrition, yeah, again, calorie tracking, macro tracking can be part of that. Like I'm not going to know how to eat on that, that, that two week, you know, hike, you know, and, um, and again, like that's in my mind, I'm like, your toolbox is empty. You've got one tool. Right. So I know I understand why, like, again, if all you've got is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Like, I understand why people have these approaches, because it's like, that's all I've ever been exposed to. That's how I diet. That's how I get these results, whatever. But you need to have a bigger toolbox, because, again, like I said, you're going to need to teach your kids to eat someday. And even if you don't have kids personally, it's like you're still going to interact with children. Like you're still passing on the torch to other people, you know, through the message that you put out on like social media, the messages you put out in like the written word, spoken word, whatever, like you're still interacting. You're effectively still passing on that torch. So you want to actually be able to help 
more people. Like that's why a lot of people get into the health and fitness industry because they want to help people. So having more tools in your toolbox, and again, calories and macro tracking can still be a huge like part of your toolbox. They can be your, your bread and butter, but you still have all these other tools and you also understand how to use these other tools so that you can actually use you know, the, the calorie and macro, tra macro tracking you know, better. And I think, again, if people actually just read a little bit more in terms of uh, the intuitive eating TM, like they get a better toolbox, you know? Mm. Yeah, that's the whole point. It's like, it's not about saying one thing's better than the other. It's actually about expanding your skills as a coach. And something that really baffles me is I don't understand why macro tracking is always our default, because for a lot of people, it's not actually appropriate, nor is it necessary. And from a client's perspective, if you're giving them things to do that, like when it comes to say macro tracking, if they simply just need to be in a calorie deficit, like you don't necessarily have to track your macros and there are ways to educate people on you know their dietary choices without macros there are other ways to do this and if you're complicating the process unnecessarily for no additional benefit why <laughs> that's not a that's not ideal from a client's perspective and if they can get the same results from a, an approach that may be less intrusive and less um potentially problematic because there are risks involved there's definitely not you know it's not going to lead to eating disorders in everyone or anything like that but there are some risks involved so if we can understand the risks understand the applications and who and when it's appropriate for and also have other ways of doing things um because that is something that you hear a lot oh well, well macro tracking is a great way to hold yourself accountable you know you can really understand your nutrition it's like yeah but there are also other ways to do that ways that could be um, easier to, to put into practice, more sustainable. So why not look there as well? Or even just like not having a default. It's like, oh, but but I've got my spreadsheets that I want to use for this client. Like, Your client doesn't care about these spreadsheets. And I think actually shifting away from um, always looking at quantitative data and actually just talking to your clients like how do i know if my client's getting results if i can't see their macro how do i like know if they're sticking to the plan like, we'll talk to them like to actually discuss their progress with them so i think that's probably another um downside of only having that in your toolbox is that you're actually you i think when you're defaulting to an approach you're not actually considering what's most appropriate because like, oh well i'm going to do this because this is what i do with everyone else and it's also easy for me to track your progress that way it's like yeah, but this isn't for you it's for your client so we need to consider other approaches too and i think that's one thing as well is that unfortunately when these approaches get misconstrued it's it's very annoying because it muddies the waters it, because there's not going to be one single approach that's appropriate for everyone and you know these concepts aren't going to like some people can track their macros and be absolutely fine some people would benefit from an intuitive eating approach so we need to get clarity on these concepts so that we can actually determine who they're appropriate for and when it's not that we have to say one approach is better than the other and I, I do think there is fault on kind of both sides for that like if you read the intuitive book eating book um this is that they've recently updated it and i haven't read that one so i'm referring to like the the first edition here 
but they do misconstrue some of the research on dieting. Like they use the starvation experiment as an example and, and as how you know detrimental dieting is for you. And I'm like, well, that's not <laughs> really accurate. That's hardly representative of what happens in the real world. Um, so there's like definitely fault on both sides. And I, I think it's, I don't know why they do that. Like your approach is valid. It doesn't have to apply to everyone in order to be valid. And actually if we can just get really specific about who, what the benefits are and, and when these are appropriate, that's just going to be more helpful for everyone. So I think that's one thing that I would take away is just to actually understand these approaches properly, understand who they apply for, apply to, and then broaden your own um, toolbox and just have you can kind of integrate a lot of these concepts when you're coaching people like yes we could do macros if you want but let's also focus on health you know like these they're not um two separate things so i think just understanding that and having a more well-rounded approach is going to allow you to work with more people so is that not beneficial from a coach's standpoint as well like people are going to get better results and you can help more people so at the end of the day that's probably what you want yeah and like i understand like you were saying like it is it's very easy to get sucked into like, oh, here's my spreadsheet or here's my calorie macro mm. or whatever. And also like part of the fault is actually discussing nutrition because it's very hard to discuss nutrition without saying like calories and macros, you know? And it's like, oh, like you can't just be like, all right, you need to make better food choices. You know, like that's, that's also not a prescription in terms of like, what does that actually mean? Like, so like to discuss this stuff, like it just, it makes sense where you're just like, right, we need to eat in a calorie deficit. You know, so again, once you start using those words, people think I'm going to have to track my calories and macros because that's how I eat in a calorie deficit. But again, it's like this, this is not the extent of how you actually approach that. You know, like there's multiple ways to achieve the same goal in terms of, you know, the, the process we want to engage in is like, yeah, we want to get a calorie appropriate diet. Right. But you can come to that from so many different, you know, ways. And again, as a coach, you can still have a preferred way. Like, again, like, as I said, like with a lot of clients, I like that kind of like throw them in the deep end, see what happens. And then we start really getting into the actual habits that they need to do to you know, be successful. But that doesn't mean that that's the starting point for everyone. Right. But that also doesn't mean that you have to throw that approach out. You know, like that can be your preferred approach that you then update with these other things that you've learned and you've taken this from this approach and you've taken this from this approach and you understand all these things. So even though you're still using the same tool because you've had these, you know, you've had experience with these other tools, you're like, oh, so this is how I actually can do this job a little bit better. And oh, with this, you know, person, this tool is actually more appropriate and I can use that. And ultimately, I think like if you're actually trying to help people, you probably would cycle through a few different approaches mm -hmm. like again like you were saying like you could start off uh, in more of a we'll just say a habit-based change in terms of all we're going to do is weight neutral we're just going to look to get better habits better you know sleep all that kind of stuff and it's just you're just engaging in better habits right but you can still eventually get them to a point where it's like all right we're actually going to track calories and macros and all that kind of stuff now for a little while just so we can really dial in your nutrition you know, but then maybe you go off that or maybe again, like even if you're just purely calories focused, like you should still cycle through a few different goals with that. So they understand the process with that, you know, where it's like, all right, here's the calorie deficit. Here's calorie maintenance. Here's like, you know, calorie surplus. So they understand the process that's involved in all of those different things. And again, a lot of people get caught up in the framework where it's like a calorie deficit. That's all I know. And the only way I know how to get that is calorie and macro tracking. So 
that's the only thing I'm going to do. And again, I always think it's a, it's one of the, the worst things that people do with getting people results. Um, and that is like never actually taking them through periods of time where they're just eating at maintenance, you know, which is very haze aligned in terms of it's like, right, you can eat at maintenance, you can still be tracking your calories. But all we're doing is focusing on healthful behaviors at maintenance. Because if you've never actually taught someone to maintain, like you haven't actually gotten them results, right? Like, yeah, you've, I always think it's like throwing darts and something, throwing darts at a dartboard. And like, yes, you've got a bullseye, but you have no like no way to consistently get that. Like, well, yeah, maybe you do. You're like, I throw a certain way, but it's, it's not, it's not consistent. And like, it's not a process. Like you don't have a system to it that you could, you know, potentially teach to others because like you occasionally get the bullseye, but you never get it again. And you never actually maintain that result. Like you're never, it's like, it's not maintainable. It's not reproducible. And like, yeah, obviously it's reproducible to the extent that, you know, you can slap a calorie deficit on someone and they'll potentially lose weight, but it's, it's not, like they're not going to have that for life. They're not going to be in a good position for the rest of their life, which, you know, again, I always think, how are you going to teach your kids this? How are you going to, you know, teach other people this like longer term? Like, is that appropriate to just be like, all right, my only approach is a calorie deficit? Probably not. So again, if your only approach is calories and macros, like, is that appropriate for everyone? Probably not. Like most people, even if you see them in like the health and fitness industry and you follow them, like they'll be tracking calories and macros. But in a few years time, they're like, I'm actually moving to that kind of, we'll say bodybuilding intuitive eating approach where they're, they're, they're listening to their hunger signals. Yes. And you know, they, they have this huge awareness of, you know, portion size and calories and macros and stuff so that they're, they are able to eat a calorie appropriate diet without actually actively tracking you know so even if you are looking at these people that you idolize and they are moving to a more intuitive approach even though like again there are there are differences as we said and learning different approaches is probably going to help you in your long-term approach to to your diet and all that kind of stuff but also help the clients that you want to train or you want to you know coach or whatever and so why shy away from this stuff? Like if you already know that the majority of these people that are, you know, really big, like calorie and macro tracking proponents. And again, I think it's a a very valuable tool. If they're already moving towards something that it's like, Oh, well, there's life after tracking in terms of like, this is what we do. I'm like, why would you not learn habits and, you know, processes and systems before you have to eventually, you know, get onto that. And like, it, it just makes sense, you know? That's exactly it, because otherwise you get clients who are very good at dieting and very good at tracking their macros. So like, you're probably going to want to spend, over the course of your life, the least amount of time dieting and macro tracking. Like, ultimately, for most people, the goal is to simply maintain with as little effort as possible. So if you, you can only ever diet and you can only ever macro track, that doesn't really set you up for long-term success. So I think definitely thinking about those things. And as you mentioned, you don't have to choose. You can do a bit of everything. And ideally, if you're working with someone, it's great to take them through a deficit, take them through maintenance, take them into a surplus. And throughout those stages, you can macro track. You can not macro track. So some things that I take my clients through um, often is like non-tracking weeks, just to see where they're at with regulating their own intake and basically putting what you learn into practice. Because... Macro tracking, yeah, it's a great educational tool. So once it's served that purpose, you still need it. And if your goal is to maintain, for example, 
can't you maintain without tracking? Like, do you really need my fitness pal there to tell you that you're eating appropriate amounts? Like, especially when for, say, optimal results, say, if you're talking, say, protein intake, for example, the literature gives us a range anyway. Like, it's not like you have to hit um, two grams on the dot and that's your ideal amount. It's like anywhere between this range is fine. And if you're, you've got your habits in place and you're choosing protein at each meal, the likelihood is you're going to fall into that range anyway. So what benefit does tracking give you in that instance? And again, it's not like you have to choose, but just simply giving it a go is a good idea because a lot of people get too attached. And I find that that's probably the most important thing is that it's not any one approach that's wrong or right, but it's kind of the inability to adapt outside of that approach. So what happens when you don't track for a week. If you feel like you're going off plan, like I think that's a red flag. If, you, if you're tracking because you're choosing to, great. If you're tracking to because it's an obligation, you don't know how to manage your diet without it, maybe that's something that should be addressed. Um, and yeah, as a coach, you can definitely take someone through all of these stages. And then they've got every tool they need to then manage that nutrition the way that they like. So it's not just like, oh, I can only do it if I track macros. It's like, no, I can choose to if I want. I could not track if I want. And you could do that at any stage. I have a client who tracks Monday to Thursday and then doesn't track over the weekend because that's what he likes to do. And we're in a fat loss phase right now and he's getting results. Like, it's just about understanding what someone wants. And I, I worked with someone recently, actually, who like had such great success. His, his goal was to move away from macro tracking. They had done it for years and he just wanted to be able to eat without stress and to lose a little bit of weight and then maintain. And that's exactly what he did. And it was like the easiest process ever. I felt like I barely coached him. He was like so uh, grateful each week and, and so nice. And like, oh, you know, I've noticed so many positive changes, blah, blah. And I, I said to him, like, I felt like I barely coached you. What do you think it was that kind of helped you so much when this was something that you'd struggled with for a long time? And he said that when we did the initial consultation, it was the fact that I just let him speak and I really understood what he wanted to achieve, to achieve and where he was coming from. So when that came to putting a plan in place, it was a plan that was appropriate and it was easy for him to implement. And from my perspective, I was like, damn, I literally felt like I, I didn't have to do much, like a bit of guidance each week, but there, were, there was no like, kind of hurdles. And I think that says a lot. It's about understanding what the person wants and what kind of approach would, would suit them. And then it's going to be more likely to, to lead to success. And if you can do that with, you know, uh, with kind of getting it right from the start, then again, better results for your client, better results for you as a coach, everyone's happy. All right, so we could probably talk about stuff like this all day. Like there's actually so, so much that we could actually get into. So rather than do that, we might actually just have you on the podcast again to talk about some other things that I'm already thinking of potentially uh, talking about. Um, but if people actually do want to learn more about this stuff, right? And obviously you put great stuff out on your Instagram. And again, that's going to be linked below. And so, but other than that, like where can people find more information about this stuff? Like, like it is actually something that, first of all, there's loads of websites that have this stuff, but again, you can find, like they have a very like a SJW approach or they can be like, oh, uh, uh, Hayes is stupid. Intuitive eating TM is stupid. And it's like, all right, well, I just want like, like I basically just want a, a centrist approach or a, a reading of this that tells me the good points of this, 
tells me the bad points of this and the good points and like just put give me the good points that's all i want you know and um, so mm-hmm. where where can people find out more information um first of all from from you like what have you got going on and then also like is there anywhere that they like it, it, this is a good resource for people to go to yeah, so um, a good place to kind of find me would be, as I say, over on Instagram is probably where I'm most active, and that's just at ShannonBit underscore. But also, I would say to check out the Bridging the Gap work that Gabrielle and I have been working on, because that's exactly what it's about, and the comprehensive coaching framework. So we're actually midway through our first webinar series, where we're teaching people about like both sides of the argument and what the literature actually shows so what are the stats what are the real success rates of dieting is it true that only like five percent of diets work or whatever and we've looked into all of that and we've come up with a framework that we think is kind of like the what we would like to see the industry moving towards the types of skills that we think uh, practitioners should have like a knowledge base they should have an understanding of behavioral psychology understanding of body image weight stigma weight neutral and fat loss focused approaches and um, also our approach to coaching in the sense that as we've touched on like it's a collaborative approach that suits the client so we've put out a lot of content and some articles that would probably be a good place to start would be the bridging the gap article series uh, touching on like the dangers of dietary restraint the what weight neutral approaches actually are and understanding the nuance there and then the comprehensive coaching framework so we have a a, a website i can give you just all of the details yeah, the yeah. um but that would i think would be a good place to start because at the end of the day i don't care what like the what approach is the the best approach i just want to know when they apply and when i should use them it's not like i wouldn't you know not, neither of us favor any sort of approach and we're not trying to push anything either it's like here's the info let's work with that and and you know see what kind of results that we can get yeah and i think again like if you're coaching yourself or you're coaching other people like having more tools in your toolbox it makes sense right even if you never use the tool right you're just like Oh, that was very interesting information that I learned about, you know, whatever topic or whatever. And you're like, I could potentially use that someday. Like you might never use it. Like I could tell you so many like little tidbits of information that I've learned about, like I'm like I'm reading a clinical biochemistry book here, right? And I'm like, oh, there's that's a little sign that I could potentially use. Like I'll probably never use that stuff, right? However, I'm like, all right, that's actually just helping me become a better coach like obviously this is my job i'm not saying that you know you're just coaching yourself you have to read like all these random books and whatever but um for for most people if you can just expose yourself to a few different opinions and not have like i said at the start like a visceral opinion like oh no that has to be wrong because that goes against my worldview and if you can do that and take a more measured approach to your understanding of this stuff a more measured approach to actually like listening to other people's discussions opinions arguments like how did they arrive at that like first of all that's just good practice all over your life like politics whatever it is <laughs> but if you can do it especially around nutrition it does actually help you to be better in terms of how you get results how you can help yourself and then how if you are a coach like how you can help others so i think again i, I like i know 20 year old patrick who was like authoritarian right where it's like you know like i'm not like it's it's straight uh straight arrow law logic order all that like i probably wouldn't have you know i would have seen Hayes and gone like oh, no 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 look that can't be right because again 
that was me being stupid, blinkered in terms of not actually reading in deeper into the approach. So if you are listening to this and you're kind of like, no, like that's, that's just what goes against my worldview. Like I, it does behoove you to spend a little bit of time just listening to the argument and actually reading the arguments and actually reading the thoughts. And you'll realize that, okay, this, well, you can have that kind of ordered logical, like this is the, the, what the exact science says in terms of, we'll say physiology, like that's not what humans are, you know, like humans are a conglomerate of a load of different things in terms of like, we'll just say easily, like it's like psychology and physiology. It's like, they, we have to be able to bridge those two things and, you know, okay, yes, the, the physiology, you know, might say this, but, you know, we have to take into account that the psychology of this individual, you know, we can talk about psychology generally, but the psychology of this individual, we have to layer that on if we actually want to get this physiological result. You know, again, like we said repeatedly, it's like, all right, you want to get a calorie deficit? Like that's a, a physiology thing. It's like, that's thermodynamics, you know, but actually coaching that and actually getting someone to eat a calorie appropriate diet for that goal. It's like, that's it basically becomes down to psychology, you know? That's something that I like to make the point is you are not working with an energy balance equation. You're working with a person. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things like, again, like you read more into it. Again, you might have a visceral opinion at the start, um, but it, it just makes sense, you know? And again, obviously there's people that are just hyperbolic to the extreme on, you know, one side or the other and, you know, just don't listen to those people. But also, but, but like, <laughs> do, do listen to them but be like, okay, cool. I'm just going to, you know, see how does that align with, you know, what I thought was going on and be like, okay, no, you're actually, you know, not actually aligned with the, the thing you think you're aligned with. And you're also a little bit crazy. So maybe I'm not going to listen to your, <laughs> your opinions in the future. But again, like it, it's one of those things where it is what it is. And you just have to like take what is useful from different places and build your own practice again, if you're a coach, but also if you're an individual, like build out a system of dieting that allows you to get the results that you want to be happy to, you know, have a system that you're, you would be comfortable teaching your kids. Like I know a lot of people, and like, I know traditionally it's been left to women to basically raise the kids and teach them their, you know, eating habits and whatever. And like that's, not taking response or i should say like women feel such a responsibility for that and um, and they can feel like they're like oh well like i don't want to teach my kids these you know um we'll say unhealthful habits that i've picked up in terms of how i feel about my body or how i feel about you know my diet or you know i don't want them to be you know binge eating i don't want them to experience all of these things that you know you experienced and i, I think as a whole, the health and fitness industry has not helped those people. Like they've not mm -hmm. actually given them frameworks for actually, you know, understanding nutrition. Yeah, like that's obviously beneficial, but actually understanding that intersection between like the nutrition and the, the psychology side of it, where it's like, there's so much that goes into this that actually makes a, a healthful diet. I and mean, if your approach is always just a calorie deficit, like you, you kind of missed the point, you know, but again, like we're going to get you on again to talk about so, some other stuff. And I, I, I do want to get more opinions on the podcast about different things. Cause again, like myself and Gary, like we're not experts. Like I say it all the time. Like I'm, I'm pretty stupid. Gary's definitely stupid. Um, but, <laughs> um, so like, we don't know all the answers. And like, I'd rather people got good information then think I am some sort of oracle, 
you know, where like that, get, again, like you see like people listening to this, you know, they're like, oh, this, this is a Patrick and Gary's podcast. Like you get like idolized or you get like put on a pedestal. I'm like, if you met me, like you'd be like, this guy is stupid, right? And um, so like, don't idolize people. But at the same time, people do have great information. So like talking to them, listening to podcasts like this really does help. So do you have any final things to say before I just hit you with the, the final question that I'm starting to ask a few more uh, podcast guests? Do you have anything that you'd like to touch on before we ask you the question? Um, no, I feel like we did. Yeah, I think we, we've covered it pretty well. Just as we're saying, have more tools up your, up your sleeve in your coaching toolbox, but also really consider the fact that you're actually working with a person who... Um, needs to understand their own behaviors and has their own preferences and we need to accommodate that and I think just taking more responsibility as a coach is something that we could all do to help shift that dynamic that the industry is kind of that trap that we've all fallen into I think just focusing on a, a health um, perspective is really beneficial for a number of people right so we're going to get you with the, the question so what habits do you think more people should engage with to be healthier, to be happier, whatever, right? Just one habit. That's you're you're now on the spot. World peace. This is what we have to do. What's the habit? <laughs> to um, read widely, consider other perspectives, and be willing to suspend your beliefs and change your mind. That's a a very very good habit to engage in and um, I definitely wouldn't I would have said something stupid like oh yeah just increase your your, your sleep <laughs> your steps or something I would have been like oh and um, <laughs> your, your your habit is uh, much better than, than mine and um, anyway I'm gonna wrap it up here as I said guys like you'll you'll find all the information in the description box wherever it is whatever podcasting app you're listening to this on YouTube whatever it'll be below or click on it or whatever and all the information all the links will be there and um, and as I said, like we, we probably most likely will have Shannon on again. So in future, like if you do have questions or anything, like you can join our Facebook group, you can join our email list and you can email us. Like we're always contactable. And like Shannon, you're, you're quite good on the, the old Instagram. So if people are interested, like they can get in touch. Again, we're not some esoteric, you know, beings in the ether that you can't communicate with like you can be found like you can you can find us you can communicate you can put your thoughts forward you can ask questions if you have never been exposed to this stuff like read some stuff about it go on Shannon's profile and read some of the posts get a better idea of what like the, the whole thing is and you know hopefully you'll you'll be in a better position after that yeah awesome